Good morning. Welcome to the vineyard. Good morning. So uh, my name is Annette. We're going to have some worship this morning. Um, I'm going to start us with a prayer. And uh, before, before I start us in a prayer, I wanted to just kind of give you a little teaching moment on something. So as a worship leader, when we do songs with repetition, sometimes the repetition kind of feels like, why are we singing this over and over again? And so I felt like I should explain that to you. So when you know something completely without having to think about it, you can focus in on other things. So for example, I could say the ABCs and write about pretty easily because I know my ABCs inside out, right? So I don't have to think about that. Sometimes when we're in worship and we're doing worship songs, we have to look up at the screen and say, okay, what's the next line? And sometimes it can just get a little harder to focus in and enter in and worship. And so some of the songs that we're doing today have some repetition in them, just because I felt like even for myself, sometimes I just need to not have to think about the words so that I can focus more deeply into feeling what the Holy Spirit is doing. So I hope that makes sense. So my heart is that as we're going through worship today, that we can really, really focus in on on just feeling the Holy Spirit and feeling the presence of God. I know I, for one, am just worn out lately. And so a good filling up from the Holy Spirit would be very appreciated. So go ahead and stand, please. I hope that made sense. Lord Jesus, we need you. We need you to come. And Father God, I just pray that as we are worshiping today, that you are here, that you are deeply in our hearts that we can fill you, that we can just lean into you, Lord Jesus. So I pray against distraction, and I just I pray that we can, we can find you here, Lord Jesus.
really steep and you're just holding on to whatever you can grab so that you don't fall back down um, and I just really feel like God is just saying like you know hold on to me right we hold on to anything that we can grab around us things that are familiar things that we think will fix it um, and I think it's just that reminder of even though it's really scary to just keep our hands open and be willing to, to grab onto him and see where he takes us. Why? 
Jesus, we just, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your spirit, Lord. Lord, we're in awe of your goodness, of your beauty, of your loveliness, of your, your grace and your mercy and your awesomeness, God. Lord, we just, we don't have enough adjectives to describe just how glorious you are, Lord. So, Lord, we just, um, Lord, even as the words of that song say, we just stand in awe, Lord. We, we stand humbled by your presence, Lord. Jesus, we thank you for all you are to us, God. Good morning, church. It's good to see all of you here this morning. Um, we're going to take a quick couple minutes. I'd like for you guys to stand up and greet each other. I'm going to get kind of my side of things set up here. I know it's always a little bit of a funky transition, kind of going from deep worship to greeting one another. But both things are holy activities. So uh, go ahead and greet one another, and we'll get started in just a few minutes.
I'll have to watch for a slide that you're going to appreciate. I, I, I made my own little Trek meme. So. If I could have everyone please find your seats, I would appreciate it. I'm glad we're getting to know each other, though. That's awesome. I will, I will never, ever take for granted being able to greet people at church again. <laughs> this last year. Um, welcome. Uh, as I mentioned last week, last week was our kind of final week finishing up the book of John. Um, we're going to go into a short little series, uh, kind of, it's about being a disciple, um, but focused on the fruits of the Spirit. So love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control, you know, kind of those, those awesome things that if we are truly followers of Jesus, if we are his disciples, these attributes, these characteristics are things that should come out. They should be recognizable in our lives. And I think all of us could probably recognize that that's not always the case, right? <laughs> but that's what we should be working towards and striving for, that, that God would develop these things in us. So I wanted to start off with a quote first. It's this, it's important for us to realize that Jesus in no way wants us to leave our many-faceted world. Rather, he wants us to live in it, but firmly rooted in the center of all things. Jesus does not speak about a change of activity, a change of contacts, or even a change of pace. He speaks about a change of heart. This change of heart makes everything different, even while everything appears to remain the same. This is the meaning of set your hearts on his kingdom first, and all these things will be given unto you. It was by Henry Nguyen. Um, I love this idea that, like, this change, this radical, amazing, life-transforming change isn't necessarily something that is external, but rather it's an internal change that then manifests itself externally, right? That, that wellspring of our souls, that relationship with Jesus Christ that changes everything. And it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing when this happens. Set our heart on the kingdom of God first. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you the path to take. I think each one of us could admit that at our hearts, 
and at times our minds deceive us, right? They show us a reality that is not real. Our feelings in a moment, in any given moment, or our thoughts about a certain situation, sometimes they just aren't real, right? Because of our brokenness, because of circumstances in our life, because of things that may have happened to us, our own understanding is many times faulty. Um, have you guys seen, like, the, there was this thing going around the internet for a while. There was this dress, and it was, like, depending on who you asked, it was a different color, right? And then there's people like me who are colorblind who just throw up their hands and say, I don't know. Like, I, I couldn't even know where to start because I don't see so many colors in the right way. Um, but, like, there was this thing. And so there is a truth that that dress was a certain color. Right? That, that is true if you've ever studied the electromagnetic spectrum and light and what light, light absorbs and what light reflects and how that all works within physics and science. Like, there is a truth of what color that dress is. But depending on who you ask, you're going to get different answers. And so we need to not lean on our own understanding. If we can lean instead on God's understanding. When we look in the mirror in the morning and we're like, I really don't like who's looking back at me today. But who does God say I am? That I'm his beloved son. That I'm worth dying for. That he cares for me. That he loves me. That he's for me. That he has good plans for me. That even those broken things in my life, he wants to turn those ashes into something beautiful. That, that There's all these things that when, when I look in that mirror that I don't see, but God does. And if I relied only on my own understanding, I'm going to, I know my sin. I know my brokenness. I know all the ways I fail myself. I fail my job. I fail my family. I fail my Lord. Like, I know all those ways that I do those things, right? But who does God say I am? And can I lean instead and trust the Lord with my heart and lean on his understanding and not depend on my own? Guys, I think that's something that all of us can work for every day of our whole life, right? Like to put our trust in God and lean on his understanding instead. And so, as we go through this, being a disciple, today we're going to talk about love, joy, and peace. Um, any one of these could probably be a whole Sunday morning, but that would make a really long series. And so I'm kind of readers digesting this a little bit. Um, we're going to start off with talking about love. Galatians 5, 22 through 23, as I'm going to read this each week as we're kind of going through this. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. There is no law against these things. There's lots of laws against lots of things, but none of those. They are not on that list talking about love. Love is a choice. I was speaking with some friends this last week. We were having a little bit of a conversation about marriage. And for those of us who are married or if you've ever been in any kind of a relationship 
whether it be a familial one or a friendship or a romantic relationship, there are days when you're just not feeling it, right? That feeling's not really there. Like, you're not, you know, birds aren't suddenly singing. There's butterflies are not flitting around them as they walk into the room. There's not sparkles and unicorns peeking their heads around a tree, right? These things, they're, they're not happening that day. Does that mean I turn my love off? Does that mean I stop loving just because I'm not having the oogly boogly feelings that mo- in that moment that make me feel all squishy? I mean, I absolutely still feel squishy when I'm with my wife. But it's not usually after a day when we spent it all day like working in the garden and we're both exhausted, right? Like, not at that moment. Does it, but I still love her. <laughs> or after that moment when we like had a conversation about something and we didn't quite come to the same conclusion. I still love her. I might not be feeling a whole lot of love in that moment, but that doesn't change my love. Because love is a choice. It's not just a feeling. Love is a choice. This quote by Billy Graham is one that always gets me. It's the Holy Spirit's job to convict, God's job to judge, and my job to love. See, whenever we're trying to change someone because we love them, that's not actually love. That's control. Because I'm trying to change them into somebody that I find acceptable. And as we saw in that verse in Proverbs, my own understanding is not God's. And maybe God made them just the way they're supposed to be. Maybe they're supposed to be somebody who has, like, super high energy. I have to tell you, if had I married somebody who was super high energy, I would fail. <laughs> like, I don't know what I would do with myself. I, I think we would live two separate lives. I'd be, okay, you, you go. So I'm going to tell a, a little story, and hopefully she doesn't tune in. But Christy's mom, who I love. She's like a mom to me. I mean, I can truly say that I, I deeply love Joan. I truly, truly do. Um, she's amazing and wonderful, and I love her. But the woman cannot sit still. Like, we'll be on vacation at a beach, and she'll be wanting to plan the next five activities for the next six hours, and then what are we doing tomorrow? And I'm like, my plan is to put my tail in the sand, probably with a book, maybe a nice cool drink, and listen to the water while I read. That's my plan. Like, that's my activity. Well, but there's an aquarium over here, and then they're they're doing these blown glass things over here, and then there's some hiking up on this trail, and I'm like, that sounds like shoal. That's not my, my plan is to relax and decompress and enjoy God's creation, and not just stay busy. You ever heard that saying, look busy, Jesus is coming? <laughs> My heart's not in it, I'm just looking busy. But like, like that's just not me. But I don't want to change her either, because God made her that way. And she has done amazing things in her life. And she was a vice principal down in Wapato for like 25 years. And I don't think somebody like me could have done that job. 
Like, I can fix computers, bring me your computer, I'll work on it while you go away, and then I'll give it to you when it's done. That's, you know, that's good. But, like, if I was always having to, like, okay, discipline this, fix this, meet with this parent, do this, I'm like, no. No, thank you. There's not enough money. Not worth it. But she, God created her that way. Me trying to change her would not be loving her. That's trying to control her and transform her into the way I think she should be. 1 John 4, 7 through 21. I'm going to read this chunk of scripture here. My beloved friends, let us continue to love each other, since love comes from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and experiences a relationship with God. The person who refuses to love doesn't know the first thing about God. Because God is love. So you can't know him if you don't love. This is how God showed his love for us. God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. This is the kind of love we're talking about. Not that we, once upon a time, loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to clear away our sins and the damage that they've done to our relationship with God. Guys, that's so beautiful. And I love this idea of the, you know, it's not that we first loved God, but God loved us. It says that God loved us while we were yet unborn, that God loved us in the womb. It says that, that God loved us before the beginning of creation. Our soul somehow existed, and God knew of it, and he loved us, and he cared for us. I don't get all of that. I'm not enough of a theologian to get all the nuances of how that works. But Scripture tells me that God loved me before the beginning of the age. And that's insane. That's amazing. God has always loved me. Scripture says that Jesus would that none should perish, but that everyone would have e- eternal life. And he loved us first. How beautiful is that? How amazing is that? That we finally stumble upon someone who cares for us so deeply that he died for us when we never even met him or knew him. I mean, how amazing is that, you guys? It's incredible. And that through doing that, that he washed away our sins, he removed our sins. And I love how this translation says, says this, and the damage that they've done to our relationship with God. Jesus restored what was broken. He healed us in the deepest and most profound ways. Finishing up the scripture. My dear, dear friends, if God loved us like this, we certainly ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, ever. But if we love one another, God dwells deeply within us. And his love becomes complete in us. Perfect love. What's our job as followers of Jesus? To love. It says that no one has ever seen God. But if we love, we show them God. Because God is love. It's a profound thing. I mean, 
Jesus incarnated. He, he became flesh. He, he dwelt among us. And he, he showed us how to love. He showed us how to do it. He gave us a roadmap for how to live this out. That's part of why we spend so much time here in the Gospels. Because we want to know Jesus. <laughs> like, he, he had it. He, he showed us how to be. Not that it's easy. <laughs> it's not. Circumstances are not eternal. But people are. Circumstances, our current, present difficulties, are not eternal. But if you look around you, at the people sitting around here, every one of you has an eternal soul. You're forever. Our current situations are not. And so if we treat each other badly, if we're horrible to each other, if we're bad to each other, That carries something that has to be answered for. So too is our love. It's eternal. It's forever. When you love someone, when you're walking out your faith, when you are living out the gospel of Jesus Christ, that is something that carries into eternity. It goes on forever. It's eternal. We, we spend so much of our time focused on the temporal, on things that are right in front of us, the here and the now and, and, and the, the current moment that we're in. We're fo- we focus so much on that. That's eternal. Like, I remember being a kid and like I wanted this, it was called a big track. And it was like an early on programmable like robotic truck. And you could program it, and it would go follow simple commands and do things. I wanted this thing so bad when I was a kid. Like, it was just, it was amazing, because you could program it, and then you would hit execute, and it would go do its thing. And we're talking early on. This is like the early 80s, okay? So, like, we're talking like like Optimus Prime time, you know, when this was just kind of happening. And, and, like, I wanted this thing so bad. Like, I, I saved money. I I did stuff for my grandma so she would help buy it for me for Christmas. And, like, I did all these things to get this toy, right? I have no idea where it is. I, I don't think I had any idea where it was, like, two years after I got it. I don't even, I can't even tell you whatever happened to it. I don't think I broke it. It just disappeared. It probably was in some yard sale my mom had. But I wanted that thing more than anything, and I worked my tail off to get it. It didn't last very long. What are we spending our time on? What are we doing? So what can we do that is eternal? Show God's love by helping care for a neighbor. Show God's love by offering comfort and prayer to someone. Show God's love by randomly paying for someone's groceries or meal. Show God's love by being quick to help. There's practical, real things that we can do for one another and for strangers that last into eternity. Just be aware of it. Like, I think most of us would do these things if we were thinking about it. We just don't think about it because we get so busy with our lives, right? Let's be about things that are eternal. 
Jumping into joy. Jumping for joy. Joy is a choice. You can be in incredibly horrible, difficult circumstances, and I'm going to read a scripture later referring to that, and still choose joy. So I wanted to start off with some some fun things. A few little church-appropriate memes. Going to heaven and staring at Adam and Eve like, Thank you, JT. Punctuation matters. <laughs> punctuation is important, people. Always remember punctuation. I know this happens. I know it's happened before. <laughs> we know, Mr. Bean. It's real. It's not that we don't mean to end. It's just sometimes there's new thoughts that come in, and we just kind of keep going. It happens. And then this one I, I kind of created. So the bottom one, if you can't read it, says, Other Christians wanting me to talk about their pet political issue. And then as Q playing the mariachi trumpet, Dusty just wanting to talk about the goodness of Jesus. I, that's way more exciting and fun. <laughs> Let's talk about the Lord. All, all of us have things that we think are just like the most important thing, right? But are they more important than Christ? That's always my question. So silly, a few silly little memes to stir up some joy in us. If people started looking for things that inspire and motivate them, rather than things that offend them, how much more joy might there be in the world, <laughs> right? Keeping an eternal perspective, let's be joyful, let's be thankful, even in hard times, even when things are difficult, even when it's not your president who got in, which there's been eight years now, so probably if you're on one side or the other, it's happened in the last eight years, right? Have joy. It doesn't matter. It's not eternal, they're going to die. So will you. Right? It just, it's not that important. It, it's not eternal. Jesus is. Our faith is. The kingdom of God is eternal. But how much time and energy do we spend on things that offend us or bother us or insult us or, or mess with our sensibilities? And I'm just as guilty as anybody. I'm not up here preaching with lily white hands. Okay? I'm not going to pretend that I am. I have thoughts and opinions about things because I breathe and I have blood flowing through my veins. And I'm human. But what a waste of time. What a waste of energy on something that is not eternal. As a follower of Jesus, my job is to bring the kingdom of God to bear on a broken world. And when I'm not doing that, if I'm busy with my own human garbage and stuff, or somebody else's human garbage and stuff, then I'm not being about the kingdom of God. <laughs> I'm wasting my time and yours. So let us keep an eternal perspective. I don't know, who, who's the girl who, like, you lift something up and it's like, 
which this will bring me joy. If this doesn't bring me joy, I don't need it. I don't, I don't know. Spark joy, yeah. Oh, yeah. So anyway, coffee does spark joy, just for the record. It's, it sparks great joy, <laughs> as a matter of fact. Um, but there's so many things that don't, right? Philippians 4, 4 through 8 says this. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'm going to stop there. Always? <laughs> what do you mean always? <laughs> like, I, there's been a couple times, because I'm, I'm really good at injuring myself, um, that I've been in pretty dire straits, sitting alone in a hospital bed. And, um, like, it's just me and the beeping, buzzing things and the night shift nurse at 3 a.m., and the incredibly exhausted medical workers who are around me, and like nobody really wants to talk because it's at the middle of nothing hour, and I'm hurting, and everything seems horrible. Always? Like rejoice in the Lord always? It's what scripture tells me to do. I guess the fact that I can feel pain means I'm still alive. And so that's something to be joyful about, right? Like, it's perspective, isn't it? It's perspective. And because Paul said that we'd all be like, what are you talking about? He says, I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. Okay, I gotta stop there again. Like anything? <laughs> like what if there's like a really angry dog, Paul, and he's like coming at me and he's off leash and like I feel like anxiety is probably a pretty good like safety mechanism in that moment. But I think what Paul's talking about is like, you know, like that constant baseline worry that so many of us wrestle with. And I, I wrestle with it from time to time where it's just like I just feel anxious and I don't really even have anything I can point to. It's just generalized anxiety. Um, what does Paul say that I can do about that? He says that in every situation, by prayer and petition and being thankful. Oh, so there's like a corrective thing in there. So give thanks to God and that might help my anxiety. Okay, so I can thank God for things. All right, present your requests to God. And here's my favorite part of this whole verse, okay? This is my absolute favorite part. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus Christ. I like changing the wording of this to the peace of God that doesn't belong there. Like, I can have peace in this moment and in this place and in this time, and I can't really find a reason for it. It's just God's peace just kicks down the door and pounds it in and, like, is there. You know, remember how, like, we read a few scriptures back when we were in John, and it says, and suddenly Jesus was appearing in their midst? That's what I think of with this peace. It's like this peace happens. It appears in our midst. It transcends all understanding and all reason. 
And it says that God will give us that. Like, that that's a peace that God can give us. I don't know about you guys, but I, like, want more of that, please. Like, can I have more of that peace? And then Paul says this. So there's so much advice in this little Philippians 4, 4 through 8 is one you should go back to over and over. Um, Christy and I actually have a short, uh, like a tiny little porcelain um, thing that has this, not the whole verse on it because it's too small, but like it has a piece of this verse on it where it says, do not be anxious for anything. And like, so God tells, or Paul tells us a few things that we can take to God. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, this is going back to that politics thing again. Whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So if you're feeling a high level anxiety or tension or stress about something that's going over and over in your head, Place it up against that metric. Is it true? Is it noble? Is it right? Is it pure? Is it lovely? Is it admirable? Is it excellent or praiseworthy? And if it doesn't fit those criteria and it's causing you stress and anxiety and fear, then kick it out the door. Get rid of it because it's crushing your joy. God wants us to be a joyful people. As followers of Jesus, we should not look like we were weaned on a pickle. Like, it shouldn't just be this like, mm, you know, that puckered up, kind of angry. Have you guys ever worked for somebody who's just incredibly unpleasant or with somebody who's incredibly unpleasant? And like, you know, you have these job assignments and you're like, you and the other people who you work with, everybody's trying to figure out who has to work with this guy because he's just such a jerk. As followers of Jesus, that should never be us. We should not be the one everyone's trying to avoid because we're so hard to work with. Right? Just because we're so difficult. Because we don't think on these things. So some simple ways to find joy. I'm trying to find some practical things that we can kind of do in the midst of all this. Go out and enjoy God's creation. I mentioned the beach earlier. That's my happy place. Like, I am never so at peace as when I'm standing on a beach or sitting, as the case may be. Like, I just, there's something about the ocean and the waves and the smell and the birds. And it just, ah, I don't know. It's just like a giant lozenge for my sore soul. Like, it just soothes me. It just brings comfort. Share a hug with someone you care about. Share a meal or coffee with your spouse or a friend. Do something creative. Honor God with your gifts. Listen to uplifting music or take on a neglected project. I like to do both. Like, I, I literally can't work unless I have music playing. I'm incapable of it. It's, I don't know. Something in me, like, just doesn't function if there's not tunes playing and I'm trying to work. I don't know what it is. The, like, I can't work in silence. I, I've got to have something going. It's, yeah, I don't have an explanation for it. It just exists. Moving on to peace. To kind of close this out. Peace, like the other attributes, are a choice. 
Peace is something that we choose. We can choose to have peace, to share peace, and to bring peace. And in case you're wondering, I'm not actually going to read the Blessed are the Peacemakers verse out of the Beatitudes. I feel like we should all know it. But like, just know that if you are a peacemaker, you're blessed. Jesus said so. Here's what peacemaking is. Peacemaking is a way of addressing violence and building peace. In this way, peacemaking is more than a type of work. It's how you approach your whole life and work. Learning how to be a peacemaker can make you more effective at your job, as well as being a better partner, neighbor, community member, follower of Jesus. Eleanor Roosevelt said this, When will our consciences grow so tender that we act to prevent human misery rather than avenge it? When will our consciences grow so tender that we act to prevent human misery rather than just simply avenge it? Okay, I lied. I decided to read the verse. (laughs) I was teasing. Matthew 5, 9, it's directly from the words of Jesus. Did you guys know that this was the only sermon that we have recorded in all of Scripture by Jesus? The only sermon that we have. And that's part of it. So apparently Jesus felt it important enough in his one and only recorded sermon to say that blessed are the peacemakers, for those shall be called sons of God. I want to be a son of God, daughter of God child of God. So I guess I should be a peacemaker. Romans 14, 19 says this. So then when we pursue the things which make for peace and the building up of one another. In Romans 12, 18. If possible, so far as it depends on you. Oh, dang it. Depends on me. Be at peace with all men. That all part, all means all. All men. Yes, the ones you incredibly disagree with. Yes, the ones that make you crazy. Yes, the ones that frustrate you. Yes, even the ones that, like, have hurt you or hurt someone you love. Peace doesn't mean that everything you do is okay. It simply means I'm not going to seek revenge on you. I'm not going to destroy you. I'm going to make peace with you. I'm not going to be actively trying to destroy your life. I'm a peacemaker. So a few things. So I was, with each of these, I was trying to have something kind of practical. When you're angry, when you're in a moment where you think you're going to seek vengeance, and that includes when you're behind your keyboard and a computer screen, people, Every, I want to say this real quick, every single piece of scripture that refers to the tongue and how it can damage and harm and it's corrupt and it destroys the rest of the body and it can slay and cause fire and hurt, every single scripture that refers to the tongue works for your fingers on a keyboard as well. It's a direct correlation. It's one-to-one. It's a one-to-one correlation. So every single scripture that talks about how you should curb your tongue, how you should control your tongue, how you should not speak quickly in anger or frustration, 
refers to your little fingers on a little keyboard as well. So when you're in that moment of frustration, take a breath. (sighs) Take a breath. It's never wise to try and settle a conflict in the heat of a moment. And we all handle conflict differently, right? Some people are like, no, we need to fix everything right now in this moment, or it can't be fixed. Other people are like, I'm going to run away for the next three days, and then when I've calmed down, we'll work this out. Like, there's all different, you know, we all kind of function differently. But for everybody, in the moment, when you feel your blood pressure rise, your face gets flushed, like, you're hot, you're looking, you know, that, that fight-or-flight instinct's kicking in on the flight side, <laughs> on the fight side, I mean, um, take a breath. Calm yourself. Or tell the person that you're in conflict with, listen, I'm too hot right now. I'm too frustrated. I'm too angry. We're going to come back to this when I've calmed down. Because right now, I would probably say something that I wouldn't really, really, really mean. I might kind of mean it in the moment. But later on, I would have to apologize to you for it. So to avoid that uncomfortable apology for both of us, I'm going to step back and calm down, and then we'll, we'll work this out. It's just a wise thing to do. Don't wait to be for somebody to be the bigger person. Make the first move. Be quick to forgive. Forgiveness, the act of forgiveness, is all over Scripture. And specifically about being quick to forgive is biblical. Sorry, guys. If you're a follower of Jesus, he asks us to forgive. It's kind of part of the deal. Because that's like being like Jesus, right? It's tough. It's not easy. It's hard. I'm not going to pretend otherwise. I'm not going to stand up here and lie to you and say I always do it. But it is wise. Show empathy to those you disagree with. Dang it! Really? Like I have to empathize with people that I disagree with? Scripture tells us yes. Um... I'm, I'm not ever going to be one of those um, Christian leaders who just tells you the things that you like to hear. And that Christianity is always super easy. And it's just smooth sailing. God's going to give you all the money you need. You're never going to get sick. Like, all people will be at peace with you. Uh, you know, when you sneeze, gold nuggets come out. Like, you know, I'm, I'm just never going to be me. Because it's not true. And it's not right. And it's not, it's not biblical. Matter of fact, Jesus said, when you have trouble. Oh, gosh, okay, so I'm going to have trouble. Because Jesus said, when I have trouble. Right? So we have, to, we have to plow the hard road. We have to do the work. And that includes showing empathy with those we disagree with. Be the first one to own up to your mistake. If you make a mistake, own it. That's a way of bringing peace. If you've harmed someone, if you've done something wrong, there was a time once when I was a young man, I didn't do this. I was, there was a tux shop downtown next to where um, Olive Garden is now, and I had an old 65 Chevy truck. And I parked kind of close to this guy in some sports car. I don't even remember what it was, but it was a two-seater. Um, and I remember pulling out, 
and I could hear my front bumper like scrape his side. And so it was a stick shift. And so I just kind of kicked it in the first and took off. That's not owning up to your mistake. There's my confession of 17-year-old Dusty. I got my tux for prom and scraped some guy's sports car with my ugly 65 Chevy truck. <laughs> Which now would probably be worth more than his sports car, by the way, but still. Um, but I didn't own up to my mistake. And he probably came out and he wasn't feeling much like a peacemaker or that I was bringing him peace. If I had left a note or admitted my mistake or said what I was doing, then maybe there could have been some peace. My guess is he wasn't feeling the peace when he came out and saw it scraped from this ugly old farm truck. This last one, Lord, God help us all. Don't make everything personal. Because often it's not. How many times do we take everything personally? Like, no, you're attacking me. Like, because you said this thing or did this thing or you... Like, here's the one that always really kills me. Someone else believes something that's different from what I believe, and so now it's personal because you believe something differently. Where's my pepperoni on pizza and pineapple? Yeah. My wife and son, I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to shame them here. doesn't bother me. They like pepperoni and pineapple pizza, both of them. You don't have to hate them. It's not personal just because you like sausage and black olives and mushrooms. I love that stuff. Give, give me all the umami fungi and salty olives and spicy pepperoni. Like, makes me happy. But not everybody, like, it's not personal. I'm using that as a silly illustration. There's very serious things where there's disagreements. Like Star Trek versus Star Wars. You know, I mean, deep, deep things. Deep things. By the way, Star Trek's better. Um, so continuing on, I felt like I was supposed to end my teaching in this way. I'm actually going to pray this over all of us as a blessing. It's the prayer of St. Francis. You may have heard one Miss Sarah McLaughlin sing it at some point, but the prayer existed long before she was ever born. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray this over us, and then we're going to end with a bit of worship. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Make us an instrument of your peace. Whereas there is hatred, let us sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. O Divine Master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, and it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Bless us, Lord.
said that we were supposed to just sit in quiet for a bit and just allow the Lord to, um, with each one of us, kind of work on our hearts in some of those areas that were discussed this morning and just have a conversation with the Lord about any of those things that you, that were brought up that you wrestle with, that you struggle with. So Holy Spirit, I just ask, would you meet us here right now in this place? Holy Spirit, we give you space and we give you room to speak to us. Lord, I pray, would you show us how to have open hearts and open ears for you to show us what is right and what is good, Lord. So Lord, we just, we place ourselves now in your presence, Lord. Just as I was 
kind of sitting before God, he reminded me of where it says in Scripture. calls out to God and says, Lord, renew a right spirit in me. So Lord, I ask that for us, for Yakima Vineyard, Lord. Lord, would you renew a right spirit in us, God? Lord, that we would look like you, that we would be a, a whole bunch of little Jesuses running around Yakima, sharing your love, sharing your joy, sharing your peace with our community, Jesus. We ask you, Lord, to change us, transform us, make us look like you, God. Thank you, Jesus. That's just, that's how I, when I was praying for this week, I felt like we were just supposed to end kind of just in God's presence this week. So that's, that's kind of why we did what we did. Um, may God bless you guys. May God meet you where you are this week. Um, I pray for all of you <laughs> each week, just that God meets you and, and carries himself with you. So bless you. Bless each and every one of you as you go out this week, and we'll, we'll see you next week. So take care.